that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Hello and welcome to History Today at Averitt, a history podcast based at Averitt University that investigates the histories of Danville area residents and explores how the great or not so great events of the 20th century shaped their lives. Okay, welcome back to History Today at Averitt. Today in the studio, we have Colby Morris. Colby, welcome to History Today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Sherry. Um, I'm Colby Morris. I'm a student here at Averitt University. I come from Grottoes, Virginia, a small town next to Harrisonburg, Virginia, and I'm a history and politics major. Okay, welcome. So first, I'll ask you a, a couple questions about your about your research project, and and then we can we can just talk directly about uh, the subject of the of the project. Your great grandfather. So what did you what did you write about, uh, Colby? Um, I wrote about the overall like life of my great grandfather, John Rains, of leading up to and after World War II, and how that event overall shaped him. And, and a kind of point I'm leading into this is that a lot of ways we count the physical wounds and the ways that physical damage harms people, but looking at my, the way my grandfather died, I think a, he suffered a, a different fate in this way that was the cause of the war, and that was because of the emotional trauma he suffered during it. So I learned from your project that... Um your 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 great grandfather actually served in the uh, in the army and and eventually became a sergeant. Is that right? Yes, that's and correct. and he was present at the at the Battle of the Bulge, also known as the Ardennes Offensive or Ardennes Offensive. Is yes, that's right? that's that is correct. From the when I interviewed my grandmother and the my great yeah my grandmother and the other people in my family, that's what they all told me. So for those of you who aren't familiar, the Battle of the Bulge uh, is the is the bloodiest battle uh, that the Americans saw during World War II. It wasn't the bloodiest single day. It didn't contain the bloodiest single day. But overall, uh, we're talking about a, a battle that, that included over, over half a million Americans uh, mobilized to try to stop the German offensive um, in the Ardennes forests. This is a place that's it's between Belgium and, and Luxembourg, and the German offensive was targeted at taking the Antwerp port in Belgium and trying to encircle Allied forces. Uh, but because the Americans and the other Allied forces reinforced that area, they were able to slow down and stop that offensive, uh, but at great cost. And it sounds like what you were looking at, Colby, is the is the great cost that that this had for your for your own great grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you want to uh, study this in particular? Was it was it just that uh, you this was this is what was available, or is is there some other kind of uh, significance that this has for you? Um, I guess it is a mix of this is what uh, one of the few stories I have uh, from my family of World War II leading that that is something that's passed down, but also it's the intrigue of it. I've known a little bit about 
my great grandfather's service in World War II, but I never dug deep into it or looked into it. And so in some ways, investigating was also a big intrigue of figuring out the history of my family. Awesome. And so you um, you interviewed your grandmother uh, as part of this research project. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Why don't you walk us through that and tell us what that was like? Um, It was a... I, I kind of try to keep as casual as I can with my grandmother. She has dementia. And so in some ways I had to, when I asked questions, I had to be able to give like a little bit of room there to just accept certain things and also be willing to talk to my dad to confirm certain things like did happen. And overall, I was able to, with certain the fragments of information I was given, and sometimes I would get repeat answers, but overall I was able to piece together this picture of what my, grand, my great-grandfather was before the war in some ways, with the little bit of information I had that, and then I was able to take a, the significant amount of information I had after the war and piece together what he was after and kind of then put my own thoughts into why this transformation happened. I see. Yeah, I have to say, Colby, this was a this was a pretty emotional read. The final research write up that you've done here, um, it really seems like your great grandfather suffered a great deal, and that he really wasn't able to find a, a, an outlet for mm-hmm. the the kind of emotions that he was feeling after the after the war, after he came home. Even though in the paper, as you say, he kind of went back to doing exactly what he was doing yes. before the war, but he now had this tendency to engage in basically substance abuse right alcoholism whenever he had free time that's when he would just drink all the time and once he lost um in some ways after he stopped working which i the way i put it it wasn't as much as he retired but he was just forced to stop working because his body couldn't do anymore that's when you really see that you saw the substance abuse kick in and where my talking to my dad was like, you know, it was hard to have him come around to stuff when he was alive because he was just drinking all the time because, and that's, that was his way of filling that void. And anytime he didn't have a way of work or something else to put off with it, that's all his focus was on. Yeah. It it really resonated for me in particular, uh, reading this, um, and talking to you about it before we did the interview. Uh, because as you know, from what we've talked about in class, the person who inspired me to become a historian was also a uh, war vet, Vietnam War vet, but mm-hmm. with post-traumatic stress disorder, and he suffered from the same kinds of things, yes. from a tendency f- towards alcoholism, uh, trauma. That's Dr. Robert Topmiller, for those of you out there who uh, who knew the man. Um, but yeah, he, he eventually ended up taking his own life as well, not being able to uh, to kind of deal with that kind of trauma. He actually became an anti-war activist after the Vietnam War and kind of, sort of tried to dedicate his life to um, raising awareness about the impact of the war. And it mm-hmm. seems like, the reason I was very interested in this is that it seems like you have a similar kind of goal here, maybe, uh, educating people about the impact of, of trauma and war and and maybe maybe broadening the definition of trauma or casualty. Uh, could you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. I mean... In some ways, that is kind of what I was... I wasn't exactly... I was, I've always been very anti-war personality going into this. And in some ways, what I was aiming for didn't... With the information I was given, and that didn't fit the that didn't fit the narrative that I was exactly aiming for. And so in some ways, I had to adjust. And, and the main thing, maybe this doesn't even read like anti-war, but more of an informative piece of that our current definitions of what is a casualty of war 
and a what exact and what exactly how does someone die from the war is a little bit inaccurate because people don't don't just die from shrapnel and bullets they also die when they when they see the the horrors of war in some ways and that's the that is the picture I'm trying to paint here a little bit is that people aren't the same when they come back and they're dealing with wounds and especially during this time and maybe in some ways during during our current time as well we don't have the best treatment for those wounds yeah i want to i want to read a quote here just to add a little bit of layering on what colby's saying this comes from the end of the research paper he writes My great-grandfather did not die from liver failure or even alcoholism. This was simply his way of coping with a much different type of wound and the consequences of that coping. Many men, just like him, did not die from substance abuse or suicide. They died from a wound that went both untreated and ignored by society after the war. And then a bit later, they died from a mental wound, a wound that would not kill quickly like a bullet, but it will kill eventually like a poison. Um, So would you say... It's really well put there, Colby. Would you say that um, would you say that this research project has kind of reinforced your sense that uh, you feel a general anti-war sentiment when it comes to this sort of thing? Um, what do you think? Abs- absolutely. You know, it, the effects that war has on people, and the things that we give up in in a lot of times, and what can be wasteful of just human li- the human lives and resources and it's absolutely terrible and you know seeing that in my own family is and something that and the thing is when I came into this I had no idea that maybe by current standards that he's you can't define him as a casualty of World War II but I certainly would you can't say that a man that comes a hard-working family man who is doing everything he can comes back and while in some ways he seems like he's the same he doesn't act like he, he doesn't talk about the things he went through in the war but he ends up having this enormous drinking problem that develops, and every time he drinks, he he starts howling and yelling about these things that you can only connect to World War II. And then eventually this addiction he builds up, the substance abuse, ends up killing him. I, I think, yes, he, it, he actually is a casualty of war, and it, it shows the greater impact of war in a lot of ways to the people that suffer through it. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, well, what else do you think you could tell us about, about John Raines, aside from, from these, these relatively sad stories? Um, you, you write in the paper that he, uh, he liked to rant about the, the ineffectiveness of Congress, uh, which is something that I think a lot of us would be familiar <laughs> with these days. Uh, but I get what kind of person was he other than this? Did you get a sense of that from your grandmother? Or? You know, um, uh, I guess first, I have a. My grandmother told me a quote, uh, gave me this brilliant quote of him, and she said, "You know, he was a good man all around, except when he got around alcohol." And, mm. I, and so, in a lot of ways, and so, in a lot of ways, it was like two halves of him. It was this good family man that took care of his family, and um, going into the politics part of it was, you know, that was a part I was interested. In. It was like, you know, how did the war sh- shape his politics? And I. F- I, this is an answer I didn't really get much onto because he didn't talk about the war at all. Mm-hmm. But I overall did find that he had a general distaste of all politics and whatever Congress was doing. And I think um, I say that he was kind of – he didn't care whichever side was in Congress at the time, no matter what. It was Congress's fault on these things. And it, it, part of me, part of me that is the one part if I would like to expand on is, you know, 
after the war, if I could get more information of, you know, how did it, of how did he view Congress after the war of seeing that in some ways, you know, this Congress is the one that sent him to this war. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things that a couple of the papers from this semester, Col- Colby's paper was, his research project was completed as part of the curriculum for History 405, History of the World Wars, and and the goal was to get a sense of how the World Wars affected the Danville area community, and this is why we've been doing research into our families in the class. Um, but, um, yeah, a couple of the papers this semester went into how the war kind of flew by very rapidly for the participants. But then afterwards, when people reflected about what they were actually doing, especially uh, in the light of post uh, the wars of the post-war period in Korea and Vietnam, there's a great sort of questioning of, of uh, uh, the, the intent of, of Congress when it starts carrying out these, these kinds of wars. So do you think that your own sense of uh, politics was reinforced or affected by doing this research project? I mean, I know, Colby, you're someone who's very interested in politics from my, from you being in my class, mm-hmm. but I wonder if you might say anything about that, about how this may have affected your, uh, um, your this, own politics. This definitely was something that reinforced my own views. Maybe perhaps back when I was younger, I had a little bit more of a pro-war phase to me, but not anymore. The, the literature I've read, and this is only goes on to like throw on to it of you know the the tragedies and horrors that war inflicts upon human beings in a lot of ways makes it so that I it really does reinforce every single view I have, and which of that and that with my own political my own political ambition gives me even more of a purpose of seeking that out, so that these things don't happen in the future. You know, that's my own personal mission in some ways is getting into politics someday so that, you know, there are no more John Reigns that die in this way, you know, so that a lot more families can have their father more present in their family and not suffering from alcohol abuse because he got sent over to a war that he had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Well, we can consider this research project uh, as a, a step towards uh, having an open, a more open conversation about these kinds of things so that uh, the, the true cost of war is revealed and, and possibly so that someday we can stop fighting wars altogether. To, all um, Colby, your, uh, your comments remind me of a quote uh, by Dr. Top Miller, the late Dr. Top Miller, um, that serves as the um, epigram for his book, his memoir about Vietnam, which is that the quote is, wars never really end for those that fight them. And I think that speaks directly to the experience of John Raines. I mean, it seems like he was fighting uh, fighting those battles, even though they were with himself or with the bottle, uh, all the way until the very end of his life. That, that's absolutely the sense I got was um, with his rants and stuff, he would start, he would yell these like German phrases, saying things that like these battles and all these different commands and stuff and my family kind of like had to back away because they didn't know what my grandmother put. He doesn't talk. He wasn't talking sense at all. And I think in some ways, yeah, he was in his mind probably during that time he was it back in back in the trenches somewhere fighting. Yeah. I talk about my great grandmother in a little bit. Was she got put? This is other information that I don't know, but she got put in the position where. This is another family where the man's the breadwinner. He goes off, works the railroads, but the woman typically stayed at home with the children. And the thing I, that we have no idea is how did she take care 
she had three children at the time, uh, my grandmother being the newborn of them. And so in a lot of ways, and so in a lot of ways, I think, in, I don't know if I, it might be trauma because she didn't talk about it either because I, I talked to my, when I was talking to my grandmother, when I was telling, well, he never talked about the war. He never talked, well, what about back on the home front with great grandmother? And she was like, she didn't talk about it either. No one talked about it. And so in some ways, I think there was a little bit of a, a, a trauma. I don't know if I want to use the word trauma, but. But something was, something happened. Something was She right. went through a great deal of hardship because of his absence, I think yes. is what you're trying to And probably the worry on top of that to where. Not only was it a no-go zone for my great-grandfather, but for her as well. So so what we can take from that is that when you take individuals and you mobilize them as part of a, a fighting force, the effect goes way beyond the individual, yes. right? It affects and, the whole family. A lot of people have to take responsibilities they aren't used to, and they they have to bear a lot of hardship that they, that they weren't expecting. And on top of that, they're just worried about their loved ones. Yeah, yeah as they should be. Well, Colby, I want to thank you so much for stopping by and doing this interview with me. It really was a pleasure to, to, to read your paper and, and talk to you today. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you.